Howdy, folks. We missed you last week, but welcome to another edition of Question and Response. My name is Jacob, and with me is a darker, tanner, back from vacation, Michael Novak. <laughs> Michael, how's it going, man? Good. It's so good to be back. Yeah. Had a great vacation. The good. sun will make you darker. Yes. We spent a week on the beach, so... Do you burn, or do you just get this uh, this this nice golden brown? Uh, I've got to be very careful, because yeah. I'll get uh, I'll get darker than I want to get okay. in the middle of the summer. Man, I am uh, either white or lobster red, and there's, <laughs> there's no in-between. It's painful to see somebody on the beach that does not apply sun screen mm. and they fall asleep and wake up a few hours later and you know their week oh, has been ruined i heard so, so i know a guy from florida he told me that if you have lime juice on your skin <laughs> and you go in the direct sun for an extended <laughs> period of time that it will give you like a medical condition chemical burn oh i wouldn't even want to see that no that'd be horrible mm. um but we're glad you're back Thanks. we're glad to be back on the pod um we're going to go over a couple of questions today uh, that are one uh, is kind of off the shelf and one kind of kind of based off the sermon mm-hmm. and based off of an astute observer's observations from a couple of points in Scripture. Um, but why don't we take a, a quick minute and remind folks why we do this this weekly question and response podcast? Yeah, one of the things that we want to be about as a new church is reaching and renewing this part of San Antonio. And in order to do that, I think it's important to allow folks to know that their questions are important and that we believe the Bible has answers to their questions, Mm -hmm. that they can bring their toughest questions to the table and they should not shrink back from those and that there are responses uh, for those questions that they have. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get into this first question. And I'm not going to say it real concisely, but just kind of sum up a couple of points here. So one of the points that you made in the sermon on Sunday is that American culture is uh, passionately independent. And, um, you know, there's there's this rugged individualism aspect of of American culture. And in the sermon, you kind of pushed back against this and how um, spiritually and how uh, our our demeanor as Christians should not reflect this passionate individualism. Mm -hmm. Um, But in 1 Thessalonians 4, we see that Paul is actually telling people to keep to themselves, to work with their hands, to basically work hard. So how do we square that? Um, I've heard the term Protestant work ethic before, Mm -hmm. Calvinist work ethic before. How do we square that with this idea that that we should not have this rugged individualism when it comes to our spiritual life? Yeah. And I think there's an important distinction to be made because I would would say that the Bible does value hard work. Um, that uh, a rugged individualism isn't in and of itself a sinful thing. Uh, And the point that was being made this Sunday, and I think it's important um, to uh, drill down a little bit here, is that self-reliance when it comes to our relationship to God is deadly. Uh, It's toxic to us spiritually. Um, And so... We are strictly talking about how our self-reliant mentality when it comes to maybe our vocations or our culture, uh, while it can be valued in in our society, if it bleeds over into our spiritual life, which it's so easy to do, um, it could really lead us to some bad places when it comes to our relationship with God. But you're right. In Thessalonians, you do see Paul talk about uh, hard work. Uh, in fact, um, there's two places that come to mind, and, and one that I know that was on your mind when you asked this question. In First Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 9, Paul says this, 
Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and to be dependent on no one. And then later on in Second Thessalonians, uh, you might not believe that this was in the Bible unless you heard it read here tonight, mm-hmm. or maybe you've stumbled upon it in the past and uh, looking at Second Thessalonians. But in chapter 3, Paul says this, For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Mm. And it leads us to believe that Paul was addressing uh, a very particular situation in the church at Thessalonica, uh, that there were folks in that church, in that community, that were idle, um, that weren't working, and it was likely because they believed that Jesus was coming back sooner uh, rather than later, okay. potentially even in their lifetime. And that's also why you see Paul address uh, the second coming of the Lord uh, with such um, focus in First and Second Thessalonians as well. And so if folks aren't working hard, if they're idle, uh, that leads them to busy bodiness, uh, as Paul says, to gossip, um, and he wants to push against that. And so I don't necessarily know if he's talking about self-reliance specifically in this passage, and so I think that's a distinction that needs to be made. Um, I think he's talking about a very specific problem that the church in Thessalonica was experiencing. Yeah. So you made this point that that the uh, the the self-reliant attitude that we see in American culture that is beneficial to um, business and a society and, a, and an economy generally, that should not bleed over into our spiritual life. What does it look like when that happens? So what does it look like when a person in their relationship with God is being self-reliant or uh, passionately independent? Yeah, I think it can look, um, if we work hard, we expect certain things to follow hard mm-hmm. work. And I think if we bring that mentality into our relationship with God, for instance, if I pray enough, then God deserves, or then I deserve uh, X, Y, and Z from mm-hmm. God. Uh, if I read my Bible enough, if I give enough to the church, then God should not send sickness or disease my way. Um, if I serve enough in the community in the name of Jesus, then it would be unfair for him to take something from me that I value. This is just karma in a Christian costume. Sure, and, and it's us bringing our, uh, our um, self-reliant, uh, tit-for-tat, quid pro quo uh, mentality into our relationship yeah. with God, which is so easy to do. But I'll say this. Um, I also think that the fact that God is uh, creator of all— um, and that our ministry oftentimes is our vocation. Mm-hmm. Um, it actually frees us up to say, uh, I should work with excellence. Yeah. Um, and uh, if God's called me to be a banker or a physician or a stay-at-home mom, the way that I can glorify and honor him and minister to my fellow uh, man is to do those jobs with excellence. Yep, yep. 
I think so, in Colossians, doesn't it say whatever you do, you're doing for Christ and not for men or something like uh, that? Work before, like you're working yeah. uh, before the Lord and not man. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that, that that speaks directly to what uh, we're talking about right now. Yeah, that makes me think a lot about like, what does it look like to be the Lord's financial analyst? <laughs> That's right. Because I'm a financial analyst. So I, yeah. yeah it just, well, like, I think it was Martin Luther who said that... Uh, um, that the way that a shoemaker can glorify God is to make the best shoes yeah. he possibly can make. Um, and I think that uh, that is the Christian uh, Calvinistic uh, reformed work ethic in a sentence. So make better spreadsheets. Got it. Okay. <laughs> work unto the Lord. <laughs> okay. So when we, when we think about this, um, this attitude that we should not have where it's self-reliant and it's karma in a Christian costume, um, what about so okay so i've been reading deuteronomy and it says often that do these things do keep the statutes of the lord so that it may go well with you in the land mm-hmm. so how do i square these two things together yeah i think when we read deuteronomy and a lot of uh, portions of the pentateuch that uh, moses is painting for us a picture of the beautiful life mm-hmm. and so um how you relate to God, uh, you relate to Him by grace. Uh, we deserve nothing from Him. In fact, uh, we do deserve something from Him. Yep. We deserve His judgment and His wrath. That's what we deserve. Um, but we don't get that because of Jesus. Um, and knowing that and having embraced that, we can move back to uh, those commands that we read in Scripture and know that we don't earn God's love or His favor because we do them, but we do them out of gratitude and um, uh, for what He's done. Mm-hmm. And we also do them because we know that it leads to flourishing and wholeness in our lives. And so that's uh, kind of the way I'd think about uh, those commands back in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. and other places in the Pentateuch. Um, they aren't constrictive. In fact, they lead to great freedom uh, because we're living according to our design as we follow those commands that are given there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then how do we how do we square this um, this reading in Thessalonians? One of the things that it pops out to me is it says, "Keep to yourselves or live quietly." This sort of attitude. So how do we square that with the Great Commission, which basically says, "Don't keep to yourselves and go out there and make disciples of all nations." Yeah, I, I think it's both and, and I really think Paul's talking to something so specific here that he obviously would would encourage these Thessalonians to embrace the Great Commission yeah. uh, in their evangelistic um, endeavors uh, to go out to make disciples, uh, to baptize new believers. Um, but when it comes to uh, their lives uh, in their community— um, to work hard, um, to uh, stay out of other people's business mm-hmm. uh, is is kind of what you hear them saying yep. here. Um, and folks that don't have jobs and are ingrained in a community uh, like they were here in Thessalonica, it seems like the issue was Paul's addressing a lot of busybodies. Yeah. Um, and so he would probably uh, don't want to put words in Paul's mouth. I guess that's always a little bit dangerous. Uh, but I wonder if he wouldn't encourage them to get about the work of the Great Commission yeah. uh, and uh, stop being about the work of uh, catching up with the juiciest gossip mm. in town uh, in Thessalonica at the local Starbucks there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, I think that's how I'd balance that out. Okay. Um, well, very good. Um, that's probably a good point to go on to this next topic. Do you have any final thoughts 
on that issue? It's a good question. Yeah. And I, I think you hold things in tension there. Um, yeah. Uh, and you, you really have to define your terms and be able to uh, to walk the line of uh, understanding how is self-reliance uh, and hard work good, but how can it bleed into idolatry? Yeah. Okay. So let's move into this, into this next topic. So um, one time someone told me that if you rearrange the letters in the word Presbyterian, you can get the, the, the phrase best prayer. <laughs> Okay, and I actually tested it, and it works. You have a couple of letters left over, but you can get the phrase "best prayer" out of the word Presbyterian. Um, and you're out of control. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but that leads to this question. Um, this question is about uh, what can we do to kind of jumpstart our prayer life. And the reason why I kind of lead into it that way is, you know, I'm a Presbyterian, but I don't feel like I'm a very good prayer at all. Really, I don't feel like I know how to pray. So. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what does the Bible say about prayer? What is prayer? Mm-hmm. Number one, let's define our terms. And then what does the Bible say about prayer? And then maybe we can talk about um, some practicalities. Yeah, this definitely is not a theological uh, definition. It's a definition I'm coming up with right off the top of my head now. But I think prayer is simply bringing our needs, our desires, um, our requests, our praises before God. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really having a conversation with a God who is in control of all things on one hand and on the other hand loves us more than we could ever comprehend. And I think of Psalm 145 verses 18 to 19 where it says that the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. And so that's just one example in the Psalms where we get a sense that God bends low in order to hear the cries mm-hmm. of his people. And I think at its root, that's what prayer is, a conversation with God. Um, and there's different aspects uh, that come along with that. Um, if you grew up in the church, uh, especially going to Sunday school, you likely heard um what is the word uh, that I'm looking for? It's uh, where where uh, it's acts, but the A stands for something, the C stands for something, the T. What is that? It's a uh, uh, oh come an on acronym. An acronym. Know. That's okay. what it is. is that it's it? an acronym, and so the acronym acts uh, is a great way to think about prayer. Um, where one of the aspects of prayer is adoration, the mm-hmm. A in Acts, where we're proclaiming who God is and the attributes of his character. It's really a, a worshipful way uh, to approach prayer. Then you've got C, confession, uh, which is uh, personal repentance and uh, confessing specific sins that you might struggle with in your walk with Jesus. The T of Acts is thanksgiving, and that's where we spend time offering praise and remembering the works of the Lord and really expressing gratitude for who He is. And then a fourth aspect of prayer, um, the S in Acts, is supplication. And that's where we come and we ask uh, God uh, for uh, things that we need. Um, We intercede for others. Uh, We petition Him according to His will uh, with specific uh, requests. Mm And it seems a little elementary, but if you don't know how to pray or, pray or where to start, that can be a really helpful a um, acronym yeah. uh, to guide you. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And if you can spend a few minutes doing each one of those things, mm-hmm. I believe you'll walk away uh, feeling feeling blessed. Yeah. Okay, so here's where I struggle, because you said prayer is a conversation with a God that loves us. 
well, you and I are having a conversation. If I say something to you, you'll say something back, and I'll hear you. But that, that doesn't really happen with prayer. You read it in the Bible that God spoke audibly at times, but that doesn't happen in our day. So how, I guess where I, where I struggle is when I pray, I feel like I'm just thinking thoughts to myself in an empty room. Yes. And at a, at a certain point, it starts to feel, look, I don't want to say it starts to feel silly, but it just starts to feel like I'm thinking thoughts in an empty room. So how do I know I'm actually talking to God mm-hmm. and not just thinking things to myself? That is, that's a great, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up because it, it, it allows me to talk a little bit about the fact that prayer needs to be tied to God's word. And so it's easy to sit down and it's just a blank slate, a blank canvas, and think about whatever comes to mind and turn that into a prayer. And that's really difficult to sustain for any amount of time. But when you tie prayer to the word, for instance, if you're reading a passage from uh, one of the gospels in the morning, um, that's where you can really engage God in a back and forth where you're reading from his word mm. that he's speaking to you. And maybe you're reading a chapter and saying, what's something that I can adore about God from this passage? What's something that um, that I feel like I need to confess after reading this passage? What's something that I can thank God for after having read this passage? What's something that I can ask God for after having read this passage? And if it's tied to God's word, you do get a sense that it is a true back and forth where you're hearing from him and you're mm. responding um, from what you've read in his inspired, inerrant, infallible word. Yeah. Another part that trips me up is like uh, you read, um, you know, knock and the door will be open and ask and it will be given to you. Um, you read these things multiple times in, in scripture. And I, okay, so I, watched VeggieTales as a child a lot, mm-hmm. and I cannot get this scene out of my head where um, the modern philosopher Larry the Cucumber says, <laughs> so if I want to be a chicken, God will make me a chicken? When they're ta- He's talking to Bob the Tomato about uh-huh. prayer. Uh-huh. And every time I read, ask and, and you know, knock and it'll be open, ask it'll be given to you, I feel like Larry the Cucumber, that's my response is, okay, like really? Like if I want just something that I can ask for, God, that's not, but that's not how... God work. God's not like this, this spiritual vending machine that you can mm-hmm. put a dollar in and you get, you know, potato chips out of. Yes. So how should we understand those sorts of things? Cause there's a lot that I've asked God for yes. that I did not receive yep. and probably shouldn't have received. Yep. There is a sense in the gospel specifically with some parables that Jesus tells that he values persistence. Mm-hmm. Um, even values uh, bothering God yeah. is what the sense that you get with some of the stories that Jesus tells Um, and it's one of those things, um, where what we ask, if it's not according to God's will, he's always going to give us what's best. Um, and he knows things that we don't know, obviously, and he's weaving together a tapestry and there's pieces of that tapestry that we can't see. Uh, and so we might ask and not receive, but it's not because God isn't good and doesn't want to answer our requests. He simply knows that answering those requests would not be what's best for us mm-hmm. at this time. Um, and so we can ask, and the, the, the whole idea of being tied to God's word and asking for what we know he wants um, really does protect us okay. uh, as we pray. Because I'm not praying for a new 
2019 Porsche Cayenne. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm praying. Uh, I might pray for that if I didn't uh, wasn't tied to the Bible. I yeah. guess, um, even though I'm not a car lover necessarily. Um, but being tied to the Bible, I know that I can pray in God's will, and I'm praying in God's will when I pray that He would increase love for Him and His and my neighbor. Uh, I know I'm praying according to God's will when I ask Him to provide for my daily needs. I know I'm praying according to God's will when I ask for the fruit of the Spirit to grow uh, more and more in my life uh, and the weeds of sin to be eradicated. Yeah. Um, and so that's why it's so important to pray as you're tied to God's Word. Mm-hmm. So if we, if we should pray for things that are in God's uh, will to do expressed in the scriptures, then why should we pray at all? Because um, God knows all things and his control is in control of all things. And if he wills something to be done and wills in the meaning that like um, intends for it to happen, if God wills it, then it will happen no matter if I ask him for it or not. So why should I pray to begin with? I think there's a few different reasons. Um, the first is, and it sounds a little bit cold, but it's because God commands it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he commands us to pray. Um, and also, I believe God enjoys it. Okay. Uh, he enjoys hearing our prayers. Um, he delights in hearing our prayers and answering uh, our needs and our wants. Um, and I also think it's a little cheesy. I don't know why it's cheesy because I think that it's biblical, but you've heard oftentimes that prayer isn't necessarily for God. It's for us. Okay. And by praying to him and talking to him, we're really shaping and forming our desires, hopefully according to his word. It's just a back and forth between Mm. us and him. And so, um, those are just a few reasons that jump to my mind about why we'd pray. Yeah. So what are some practical suggestions to, um, to help build this muscle of prayer? We talked about the, the acts acronym. Are there any other practical tips for someone who, someone who like me just doesn't feel like they know how to pray. And that's kind of a, that's, you know, dampening their spiritual life in a sense. What are some practical tips? Yep. And I like how you said a muscle, because I do think this is something that we learn to do over extended period of time. And it is work. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times when we pray, it feels like we're doing nothing, um, but we are doing something profound when we spend time in prayer. And there's a few things that come to mind. um, And I'll just list uh, maybe a few of them that come to mind. First is be realistic. Like you said, it is a muscle. Uh, and so don't try to pray for an hour if you're not used to praying alone, mm-hmm. um, because you'll be discouraged. Um, the Lord's Prayer takes like 20 seconds to pray out loud. Uh, and so that's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It was very quick. It was very simple. And so don't have um, Mother Teresa-sized expectations for you beginning prayer tomorrow. You've okay. got to start small, and that's not a bad place to start. Uh, be honest. I think uh, if you're having a hard time praying or don't want to talk to God, uh, um, then tell him that. Um, Don't just fake it, but still give it a shot um, uh, when you uh, enter prayer. Um, I think it's important as well to think. Um, If you're praying for a friend, what do you love about him or her? And uh, pray that God would grow that more and more in that person's life. What annoys you? Pray that God would give them repentance or teach you to appreciate that difference. Um, and so, uh, come to prayer, maybe even having written out some ideas for what you'd like to pray for after having read scripture. A few more, I'd say you got a plan. 
Um, if you're going to try to pray for a longer period of time, take some time to prep. It's it's hard just to pray freestyle yeah. for long stretches for most people. This is an interesting tip. I've never heard of planning prayers because that's my understanding of prayer has yep. always been. I'm just going to sit down and, and you know free form sure think some things to God. Yeah. So and it would be great to create maybe a little outline or uh, come with some verses or even hymns. Mm. Uh, or prayers that have already been pre-written, like the Valley of Vision book is a book of prayers, Puritan prayers, and it will ignite prayers mm. uh, in your heart as you read how others have prayed. Um, bring subjects to pray for, uh, and bring that with you as a guide uh, for your time of prayer. And then try setting aside an hour or an hour and a half some Saturday morning, for example, and go someplace where you can be alone and take your outline and take your hymn or two and your notes and just give it a try. Mm. Um, And then uh, the other thing I'd mention is a a lot of times I try to form a habit of spontaneous prayers. Okay. Um, So prayers that uh, don't have to be long. Um, uh, but sometimes, uh, I'm getting in the car for vacation and we'll quickly pray that God would protect us or I'm driving along down the road and God brings somebody to mind and I I say a quick prayer for them. Um, sometimes we need a feast of prayer and other times we need a quick sandwich on the run. Mm. And I think it's, it's really great to be able to do that, uh, on a spontaneous basis through the day. Um, and then I just think proper expectations are key. Um, Sometimes it's just about showing up. Um, It's mundane, um, but being in God's presence is important. Yeah. Um, And it will will change you and bless you, I believe. All right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to wrap it up for this evening. Um, Just a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Next week, we're going to have a special guest. Carlisle Aguirre will be joining us to talk about Young Life. Um, We'll just chat back and forth for a little bit about... Um, what that ministry is and and how God is is working through that in ministry. Um, uh, just another quick thing, um, we, we're starting to think about what direction this podcast should take in addition to addressing your questions and, and offering some responses to those. Um, as we reach a point where uh, questions become somewhat less frequent, we want this podcast to be focused and structured and beneficial for you. So if there's a, a topic that you're interested in, um, that you think might be a good two or three or five week series, um, let us know. And, and we want to just some ideas to start to think about what direction this podcast is going to go and how it can be um, a beneficial point uh, in the middle of your week. So if you've got any of, of those ideas of what you would like to see in this podcast, or if you have questions that you would like Michael to respond to, you can email those questions uh, to Michael at Trinity Grace org or text them to 210 210- Nine two zero zero seven eight three. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And until next time, take care.